0: I hate your fantasy baseball team. I hate your dumb luck. I hate your guts. I hate you. Okay. L- let me just explain to everybody this. We're, we're playing in this fantasy baseball league. I ha- I am so close to the, to the highest scoring team in the league that I'm off by like 20 some points. And I go into the final day against Ed on Sunday. And I've already been just beaten down by Zach Gallen having the worst start in like years by this guy on my fantasy team but I should be able to win. And then Shohei Otani somehow gets a start that he wasn't projected to get on Sunday. And then he goes out and he just kind of, you know, does Shohei things. And you beat me by a couple of points. I'm three and four towards the bottom of the standings. You're sitting up at the top. There's barely any difference between our two teams, except the fact that you have a horseshoe lodged straight up the behind. Well,
1: I mean, I am also the highest scoring team in the league, so... <sighs>
0: Still. So, else, You're so but... lucky. helps. so lucky. You're so insanely lucky, and I dislike you terribly for it today.
1: Well, that's that's fine.
0: The only thing that's making me feel better is that the White Sox are winning games. And I'm not going to get super giddy, do cartwheels, and start printing playoff tickets like some people are, but it is nice to see them win more games than they lose. I think they're 11-8 right now in the month of May, going into this Guardian series. And 11-8 is good. It's three games over 500. It is good. It's not what you need to be for the month of May, though. If you finish the month of May three games over 500, because of what you did to start the year, you are still in a massive hole. It's nice to go to the ballpark and have fun, and you may get more wins and losses from this point on, but I look at the last nine games here of May, and I say, win six of them. Win six of them, and I will start to say it's possible in a bad division to pull yourself out of it. But like what they're doing is they're giving that glimmer of hope, that little white light at the end of the tunnel. Right. But there's a long way to get to the end of the tunnel. And you have no idea if there's a giant man-eating spider before you get there and it's going to kill you and then put its babies inside of your body where they hatch later. And hopefully you've died by then. Otherwise it's even worse. Like that's how it feels at this moment to me. We could get to the light way down there or terrible, horrible death.
1: So, Sergeant Apone, if what I'm hearing from you is, is that you're saying that the month of May so far is just a face hugger. Right. And you're a little worried about what comes after. But for right now, it's just kind of a warming sensation on your face. <laughs> and I like this. I like how I went
0: with the man-eating spiders. You're like, no, no, no. I'm going with an aliens reference. I like well, that. Well, you know, you said it's
1: things solid. bursting out of your chest. I think <laughs> chest burst. What are you going to do? Okay.
0: <laughs> listen, listen, I, I really enjoyed the last few days of white Sox baseball uh i'm proud of michael kopech for going out and having a real baseball game as a, as a starting pitcher
1: that was that was a big boy game right. wasn't it It was against the royals like
0: i his dad was on twitter basically saying you see my son is great and i'm like well yeah, your son had a great game that's awesome and i you know what i'd do the same thing if it were my kid right that's a dad who probably somebody should take twitter away from though when he's really excited like people take twitter away from me when i'm drinking somebody should take twitter away from him when he's super excited because his kids got a lot more to do and and he might, he might do it right. But it's gotta be against teams that aren't the Royals and it's gotta be with more consistency. But again, little tiny glimmer at the end of a tunnel, long tunnel for Michael Kopech.
1: Well, yes. And, and, you know, to, to be a positive white Sox fan, that's what you thought you were trading for was eight innings of no walks, 10 strikeouts. And he did a good job of, Commanding his pitches, right? And and it's showed because of the ten K's and the no walks. And when you're efficient like that, you can get through eight innings and you can you can, you know, take a team deep into the game. And really what I love about this this run that they're on in general is it's all quality starts. Almost every time out it's a quality start, and they're getting six innings and less than three runs out of every one of their pitchers, highlighted by Michael Kopek. Now, if I'm gonna be a wet blanket about it, which is what I do on this show sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to point out that there was really nothing different about what Michael Kopeck did against the Royals to kind of qualify that this is a turning of the corner for him. He really he he threw harder than he's thrown all year. That's about the only thing you can say about it,
0: which is interesting because he's made comments that Joe Kelly told him to not be so angry, I think, or, you know, like like yeah. intense, and so he 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 said he wasn't being that, but he threw really hard in that game.
1: Yeah, he his his fastball was at 96.95 it was about 97 miles an hour. Uh he had only done that once earlier this year against the Rays. Uh, the the changeup was even a little uh, you know a little harder up there but the slider was the big one, right? That that's it's 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 gotten progressively harder as the years worn on. Uh he even put a little bit more on the curveball when he used it. So he was definitely and and maybe he's not going out there and pitching angry, maybe he's not trying to throw hard, which is important for a pitcher. You can't try and and throw hard and have control, right? A a guy with an arm like Kopex needs to just sort of let his stuff work for him. Here's where it gets, for me, a little bit of a, all right, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, The whiff percentage on his pitches in that game, 33.33% on the slider, uh, 21.74% on the four-seam fastball. The curveball was actually low. The changeup didn't get any whiffs. Uh, the problem with that is, is that his previous season high on the slider was 20%, the previous season high on the fastball was 17%. So basically what happened is the Royals swung and missed a hell of a lot more than anybody else he's faced this year, and there's really nothing he did differently other than throw just a touch harder. And I think you just have a bad Royals team that a guy like Kopech needs to go out and dominate when he does go out there, so that's the good sign. The stuff is there. But if you are if you're expecting him to do this again in his next start, He's going to need guys to swing and miss an awful lot. That's all I'm saying.
0: I hope he goes on. He throws a perfect game next start just to make you feel bad. Right? Me too. Do you think I'd be upset about that? Then his dad's on Twitter tagging us, and he's like, what do you think? now?" Like, I would love that. And I'd be like, (laughs) Mr.
1: Kopech, please come on the show and let's talk about this.
0: (laughs) no, I don't want to do that. Look, I'm not mad at the guy at all for going on Twitter and like defending his son. Like I said, I'm a dad and I would be immediately, I'd be yelling that. That's why they should take the phone away from me. And somebody should take you know, the phone away from him. Like let your kid go out and be a, a grown man in his major league baseball career. Cause it's not travel sports anymore. Big guy. Because I mean, think about that also look at the pressure, like dad's in there saying what? He's doing like the Twitter thing where you throw your arms out and go, what do you think now? Like, that's what he's doing. And it was the Royals. And I, I'm very, very happy for Michael Kopech and, and up until the point where Michael Massey completely ruins his his perfect game bid. Was it a perfect game or a no hitter at that point?
1: Perfect. It was a perfecto at that point.
0: And and, and Massey ruins it, which, of course, I now have to hide the fact that I went to Brother Rice because everybody hates Brother Rice because he went to Brother Rice and he ruined the perfecto. But up until that moment, I'm sitting in a bar with one of my buddies and I'm like, this is this is amazing what he's doing out there right now. And I'm pumped about it. And I think that's that's a point that that I think everybody needs to remember here. There isn't such a thing as there's haters out there and now the haters have to all be quiet because they were wrong. No, 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 no. People who are critical of the team are allowed to be critical of the team when the team is bad. And there's still plenty of holes. Like, I'm going to continue to be critical of this front office because much like how the front office looked at Ricky Renteria a few years back and said, you're not the guy to finish this off because we don't think you're a championship manager. The front office is not a championship front office. Top ten payroll, and even if they go on a run and get back in this thing, and somehow you know finish a couple games over 500 in a weak division and make it into the postseason as the AL Central uh, you know winner, and then whoever happens puncher's chance in the postseason, they're not the, the front office that finishes it off because it doesn't change the fact you didn't have enough pitching depth, you haven't developed enough talent down the minors minor leagues. Look, Clevenger's on the on the shelf. And we're bringing up a guy that I'm like, well, I don't know. Jesse Schulten. Right, exactly. Root for the team, but don't let those guys off the hook. For more on the Michael Kopech start, and it's funny, that should be a regular thing that we're not celebrating so much, let's bring in the Sox nerd. Ah! Us as he does each and every week with tidbits and nuggets just like what he puts up there on the scoreboard at Guaranteed Rate Field. The Sox nerd Dave Marin is on the line. How are you Dave?
2: Wonderful Chris. How are you?
0: Good buddy. What do you got about this Michael Kopech start the other day?
2: That game on Friday was something else man. On that beautiful night at Guaranteed Rate Field Michael Kopech and Kendall Grayman faced the minimum in the Sox 2 nothing win over the Kansas City Royals. 27 up and 27 down. That is a rarity in the 123-year history of the Chicago American League Ball Club. Out of the 18,000-plus games the Sox have played, they have only faced the minimum in a nine-inning game 11 times. There were the perfect games by Charles Robertson in 1922, Mark Burley in 2009, and Philip Umber in 2012, and Burley's no-no in 2007 when he erased the only batter he allowed by picking off the wayward Sammy Sosa. Burley's 2000 effort was one of just three of these 27 batter masterpieces with a walk. The first was by Death Valley Scott on June 4, 1914. The second was by Orville Grove on August 3, 1946. That game in 46 was amazing because that walk by Grove was one of five base runners he allowed that afternoon at Comiskey Park. The final line got to 27 thanks to five double plays. Speaking of double plays... It was a twin killing that got Friday's game to 27. After Brother Rice's Michael Massey ruined Kopex perfecto with the classic Kansas City special, he was erased on a 4-6-3 DP to end the sixth inning. Burley used a pair of double plays to fashion his 27 batter complete game in 2004, while Lamar Hoyt in 1984 and Jim Wilson in 1958 each got DPs to make it to 27. An unconventional DP accounted for the yet-to-be-mentioned 27-out game. On September thirteenth, 1987, Floyd Bannister retired the first eight batters he faced before Harold Reynolds' single. Hal got a little cocky and tried to stretch that single into a double. Gary Reedus would have none of it and threw him out at second base. From there, Floyd retired 18 in a row to finish off the Sox' 2 to nothing win. Bannister fanned 10, which brings us back to Friday's game, which also featured 10 strikeouts, all by Kopech. Graveman pitched the final frame, giving the Sox their only combined effort In games of this nature and just the ninth overall out of 106. It shouldn't surprise you that Sebi Savala was behind the plate Friday. That night, Savala added to his all-time Sox lead by catching his fourth combined one hitter. Now, my zinger, we've all been waiting with bated breath for Andrew Benintendi's first home run. Heading into the series in Cleveland, Benintendi has not homered in 185 plate appearances. That is a long way from the club record, which is 700. In 1952, the great Nellie Fox went 700 plate appearances without hitting a home run. The last White Sox regular to go through a season without a homer was Scott Pesebnick, who went to the plate 568 times in 2005 without hitting a homer. Of course, Scotty Pods hit two homers in the postseason, emphasizing the fact, Chris, that we should never, ever stop the league.
0: Those of you that are listening right now, and let's say that you've had a surgery recently, uh, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, they've had a surgery, they're, they're having a hard time getting around the house, old age is catching up to them. Uh, nobody wants to go into assisted living. People want to stay inside of their homes, and you can do that very easily with all of the medical advancements that are available at Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. They're going to make it so anybody can get around on their own, live independently from stair lifts to ramps to grab bars to lift chairs even bathroom remodeling you ever been in a sit-down shower ed it's spectacular
1: oh it's so nice
0: so nice i spend way too much time in there though when i have a bench to sit in the shower i'm like hey can somebody get me a beer in here before i move on to the to the lower half of my body (laughs) (laughs)
1: rookie movie you need to bring the cooler in (laughs) they
0: they're going to work with your insurance they're going to give you a discount if you mention socks in the basement and they have zero percent financing for qualified individuals that's pretty good switch to a new age of life with high at home medical equipment uh those of you With CPAP machines, switch and get supplies directly mailed to you. They have the latest and greatest and continuous glucose monitors and so many other things out there for those of you looking for high end medical equipment at a very low price. See everything they have to offer at hhme.com or stop in and see them 3518 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park. All right, let's take a look at what players have been doing over the last week and see whether or not Luis Roberts still wields the staff of Cork and Carry.
1: The mythical staff that White Sox players who are atop the mountain, they're like a wizard. they're they're standing there at- atop the mountain. Shirt flapping in the breeze, in muscles the breeze. rippling, lightning behind them, lightning. horses afraid, a, a, a delicious hamburger in their hand, <laughs> when they, a cold beer next to them. <laughs> right. They're,
0: they're having a good time pregame and postgame there at 33rd in Princeton. Uh, by the way, they're the uh, proud sponsors, but the staff is what I want to get to here. Yes, the mythical staff. Luis Robert has been wielding it for a while as the best player on the White Sox. There's a lot of candidates.
1: Luis Robert is—he's still—he's still doing okay. Oh, okay. He's just doing okay.
0: Yeah, I know. It, listen, you got to be the best if you're wielding the staff. Like Joe Kelly right now is not only on fire coming out of the bullpen, but he's yeah. doing that cool stuff with the delays and everything. He's giving out advice to young pitchers, and they're taking it and they're having great games against the Royals. Like I mean, like like he's—he's he's doing it. Uh, Kendall Graveman is on fire right now out Kendall of the Graveman's, bullpen. Yeah, he's on—he's on a roll. This is his. This is one of his best stretches of his career. And, and it feels like a lot of people that we've criticized are on their best stretches over the last couple of weeks. So we're just going to keep criticizing because that's that's how I see it. That's my that's how I feel like I feel like I have an influence It's that weird Tiger Town thing. If you've ever seen that movie, like the idea that somehow yes. we have some sort of influence, we have to continue to do it. So they keep winning because in the end, that's all I want. I just want them to keep winning because I love the team so much. And, and you have Lance Lynn is, you know, his last two starts have been great. Lance Lynn has looked spectacular. I don't know whether or not that holds up all year, but he could be wielding the staff of Cork and Kerry. And Michael Kopech, it was one start. I don't think I'm giving it to him just quite yet. If he had the perfecto, I think we would have had to give it to him. Well, if he had the perfecto,
1: there's, there's no doubt about it. You do something like that, the staff gets handed to you, and you get to celebrate with it. Right. I mean, it's it's, it's just,
0: yeah. Uh, Jake Berger, though, over the last seven days, 409. 818 slugging, 1227 OPS. A guy who is 10 home runs on the season. He's the only person close to Luis Roberts 13. And not not anybody on the team is close to those two guys who can be moved around the lineup anywhere. He bats second, he bats eighth, he bats in the middle of the lineup, and it doesn't seem to affect him in any way whatsoever. Massive hits, bases clearing doubles, and big giant home runs out of the ballpark. Let Burger Cook. Yeah, that'd be my vote. Let Burger Cook and I think he should wield the staff. What do you think?
1: I, you know, from a hitting standpoint, the only other guy that's having a decent time of it right now over the last week is Andrew Benintendi and, and Yohan Mankata to a certain degree as well, uh, but not nearly as sizzling. Sizzling. As Jake I like Berger.
0: it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Sizzling. yeah I'm
1: going to just eat these puns up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it really is. All right. Jake Berger Jake wielding Berger. the staff of Cork and Kerry.
0: Jake Berger has wrestled the staff away from Luis Robert. And he is a big ball of
1: muscle, as they say, yes. so that doesn't surprise me.
0: And he now stands atop a mountain with lightning in the background with that glorious mustache that he has. Remember, Dylan Cease busted out the uh, the mustache, and look at the season he had last year. I think this entire team should have uh, Honestly, spectacular I, I, mustaches. Jake Berger
1: with the mustache, if there's a guy <laughs> on that team that apparently just needed to have, I mean, Cease's mustache looks good. Yeah, he's a handsome man with a mustache. Yeah. Jake Berger with a mustache just absolutely makes perfect sense.
0: A little bit of facial hair can make a big difference. Like I just saw the Netflix special on Conor McGregor and they show like the old footage of him when he's just got pimples on his face and no facial hair. And you're like, that guy isn't cool in any way, you know, but the thing that he, what he, what he sports on his face looks like a completely different dude. Right. And you're, you're, you're off put almost when you see the footage of him when he doesn't have the facial hair. So I think Berger and the stash, they should be married because he's killing it right now. He looks good in it, even when he wears that silly hat that they put on when they hit a home run.
1: It, it looks I think it looks better with the hat on with the mustache, <laughs> frankly. No, the whole thing just comes together.
0: All right. The staff of Cork & Kerry can be uh, wielded by Jake Berger. By the way, there's award-winning burgers over at Cork & Kerry at the park in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. The proud sponsors of the podcast, For Fans, By Fans, Socks in the Basement. Uh, remember, uh, pregame for everybody. Bring the kids in there. Get them some food. Uh, enjoy the atmosphere before you go into the game. Fill up the bellies before you go inside and have to look around and try to find what you're going to eat. You can take care of that right away after the game. Hang out post game. Let that parking lot clear out. Have a beer with fellow White Sox fans at 33rd and Princeton. Cork and Carry at the park.
1: Eat a burger from the staff of Cork and Carry and then watch a burger wield the staff of Cork and Carry. It works out perfectly.
0: So I look at this schedule coming up and I look at three in Cleveland and then we got three in Detroit. And then we got three at home versus the Angels. And like I said, I want six and three. I think anything yeah, less. Four,
1: four in Detroit, actually. Oh, yeah.
0: No, no. Is it four? It's four. It's four in Detroit. Oh, man. All right. So uh, 10 games left. I'm going to get greedy. Instead of going six and three, I want seven and three.
1: Seven to three. Yeah, let's go 70% here. Let's I want go. seven and
0: three. That's what I want. I want two out of three, two out of three, and a three out of four. That's what you got to do at this point of the season. In fact, you need to sweep people. Look what the Astros did. I just saw this thing. Like, look at the Astros. They're climbing back into the race. Well, they won 10 out of 11 or something crazy like that. Right. And, and that's that's all it takes. Right. You have to go on a run to make up for your bad your bad run. You have to do that at some point. Like, n- winning series is a minimum. That no more splits. You have to win basically every series the rest of the way. And you got to sweep every once in a while. You got you to gotta step on their necks and break them every once in a while. Like if you win the first two games of a series and it's getaway day on day three, normally you get the rest of you guys. You you don't get that luxury. You guys gave away that luxury back in April. So you don't get that luxury now. You have to go out and you have to win that game too. You could never let off on the gas here. And that'll be, you know what? If, if you do go on one of those magical runs like the Nationals a few years back, and these records are very similar to when the Nationals were really down and they go back and they end up winning, you know, didn't they win the, they won the World Series that year,
1: right? Yeah, they, they started off really badly and they came back around and they ended up winning it. Right, yeah.
0: exactly. If you want to have that, now they also had some incredible pitching at the top and we've seen some uh, good pitching yes. here, but we haven't gotten to that incredible level yet where I'm like, it's the same thing. But, you know, you never know. Puncher's chance once you make it to the postseason. And a long way before we can even start talking about that. A long way. But... That's, that's, how it, that's how it happens. You have to get on these crazy runs. Go 7-10, and 10, and then don't take your foot off the gas. You got three against the Tigers, the second, third, and fourth of June, at the rate, and you got to win that series, and you got to beat up on them because June gets scary then. The Yankees are a winning organization. That's a tough series. Yeah, everybody's like, oh, they're down. They're down because of the no, division they play. No, not anymore. It. They're not down, and you got to go to New York. And and that's a scary place for White Sox teams to go to. I mean, I remember in 05 that was when you started to believe that they actually had something because they were able, able to go to New York and do well, when you normally didn't right. see that. Okay? The Marlins are an over 500 team. They're not they're not a slouch team. So you're going to get them at home. Then you got to turn around and go out west. And that is a tough thing for this White Sox franchise to do every year. And you got to go play in LA against the Dodgers, and then you get the Mariners who even though they're not having the greatest of years, It's West Coast. Still a really good team. And they're a good team. And then you get the Rangers when you come home and the Red Sox. They're good. Okay? And and the Angels, like, I'm expecting them to win a series against the Angels, but you're going to have to go back out West again against the Angels to finish off the month of June. June is a rough month. And so when you look at the hole you have dug, and you look at what you have coming up here, 10 games here to finish off the month, and then the first three to kick off June. The next 13 games. Those are the 13 games where you got to get yourself back. I mean you better be five under 500 I think at that point. If you want me to start saying all right, that light at the end of the tunnel got bigger and I kind of believe a little bit now because the division is staying down. You got to leapfrog those two crappy teams in front of you because the Guardians are not are well under 500 and, and and Detroit is under them. Well this is your moment. this is it. This is where you can make up for everything. I love the attitude coming out. But this is, at this point, I'm not getting sucked back in, Ed, unless they show me something. Like, I'm not going to put my heart out there and have it get hit with a hammer again. I'm waiting on this one. You, you call me in two weeks, and you tell me, look at this, they did what you said they needed to do? All right, now I'm back in there. Then you suck me in, somehow. I'm, I'm back in. Ed, I went out this past weekend... the official brewery of Socks in the Basement out in Tinley Park. That is Hailstorm Brewing Company. And it was it was after my kid had to go play a a hockey game out in in Hammond, Indiana. So I was like, all right, on the way back, we gotta stop at the pool store because I opened up the pool this weekend. First time I've ever done it. And I was so nervous and somehow, somehow. Yeah, I actually did it right.
1: Nothing exploded, nothing burned down.
0: Yeah, somehow I didn't light the pool on fire because that would have been the way that things normally go for me. The, the pool would have been on fire and people would have been like, how is that possible? Because it's filled with water. And I would have just kind of shrugged and said, eh, it's me. But anyway, on the way back, I said, let's stop off at Hailstorm. And I'm so happy I did it. First of all, we tried out the scratch kitchen. We got the blackened chicken flatbread, which is spectacular. And then we got the pork belly sliders, which everybody at the table, everybody at the table, Sat so there said, this is the best thing I've had in a long time. It, it's nuts. They have these smoked pork belly ends coated in barbecue sauce. Cilantro, lime slaw, brioche, slider, buns. Spectacular deal. Remember, they're open for lunch. If you're out in Tinley Park, get over to Hailstorm Brewing. They're open on the weekends as well. They're open in the evening. It's a working brewery. Looks like a big beer hall. Amazing tap room. But get in there starting at 11 a.m. for lunch Tuesday through Sunday, 8060, 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Learn more at hailstormbrewing.com. Are you worried about Tim Anderson? I know we've talked about him a lot, but I mean, we're talking about a guy that, while they're winning a bunch of games, hit 217 with a couple of errors. He's up at the top of your order, and his on-base percentage this week was 217, because he hit 217, and it was five singles And, and no walks while he's up there. And, and, and I'm looking at this guy and I'm hearing things like because of the injury, it's kind of altered his swing a little bit. And this goes back to something we've talked about before with this team. Like if a guy's not 100%, you know, is it is it right to still give him the spot in the order that he's used to? Is it right to still have him playing every day? That also speaks again to the depth and the issues with the team that are not going to go away, no matter how many runs they go on, with the front office that really shouldn't be there anymore, and probably shouldn't have been there when the season started. But like, that's a concern for me when I see a guy who everybody else seems to be clicking, and he can't get off the
1: snide. I'm not super worried about him because he's not a guy that we haven't seen be streaky before. Uh, you know, th- th- there's something to be said about just being in a bit of a slump. I, the, Luis Robert Jr. Is still having a tremendous season, you know, it, and lately has been much, much better. But this past week, you know, he's hitting 224. So I get the fact that his average
0: is down a little bit. His OPS 852 over the week. And, you know, when you look at his entire season, I get that up and down. Tim Anderson's had 125 at bats and he's hitting 252 with a 582 OPS and hasn't hit one out of the ballpark yet. And is saying that the injury has created a little bit of a difference in his swing right now. That, that's, I mean, it's a little bit different. It's not like he's just streaky.
1: I think the eyeball test backs that up. That that there's something. He's not. He doesn't look like Tim Anderson. He doesn't look like Tim Anderson in the field at the plate on the base pass. He looks like a guy who is fighting something. But to get your point about this being a depth issue, that's what this the problem is. Look at look at what happened Sunday. Hanser Alberto somehow hurts himself making trying to make the safe sign as he's trying to leg one out, right, and, and and ends up having to come out of the game. That's so White Sox. <laughs> that is just such a and White Sox injury. So I mean, that's so White that's, Sox. So incredibly White like Sox. There's
0: no other team that that happens to.
1: There just isn't. Yeah. There's not a team in the world that that happens to, except the White you Sox. You are third-string second baseman <laughs> who is pressed into a starting role because of injuries, hurts himself, trying to tell the umpire he's safe can, when, can, by the can way, you imagine, not.
0: Can you imagine Tony La Russa still managing the team, talking in the postgame? We're gonna to talk to him about that whole throwing his arms out thing. I mean, that's just not how you're supposed to be playing. And you know, you gotta if you if you have respect for the game, that injury doesn't happen. Like some kind of BS like that is what we'd be listening to. Even right though now.
1: guys have been even though guys have been doing that for right fifty years. I do right? it when I, I mean, play 16 in softball because I'm
0: trying to convince people that I'm actually safe because I'm slow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> guys have been doing that forever. I, Ricky <laughs> Henderson did that all the time. I'm sure. Look, uh, it, Hanser gets hurt. Tim can't even get the entire game off. Because he's got to come in because the only right. middle infielders you have on the team active right now are Hanser Alberto, who hurt himself calling himself safe, Ben Zobris 2.0, and Romy Gonzalez, <laughs> who <laughs> admittedly had a triple the other day, which is great. But 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 you got Romy, and, and then you've got Tim. And and you don't have I, Elvis isn't active right now He's he's on the IL So you don't have him Okay, so look if
0: you, if you look at it And you say Even injured he's He's the best option we have And maybe that's how you feel He's the best option we have Alright, fine He's the best option you have But is he still the best option To be up at the top of your lineup? getting the most amount of at-bats. Like, that's the thing that gets me with the whole Burger thing. Like, I like the fact that it looks like they just, I mean, do you think they trust him? Is it a good thing or a bad thing in terms of what they feel about Jake Berger that he's moved around everywhere over the last week?
1: You know, theres you could look at it pessimistically and say that they don't know what to do with him, right, and they don't know where to put him. I tend to look at that. I think Pedro is the kind of manager, just this is based on feeling and nothing else, really. But I think Pedro's is the kind of manager that when he finds a guy that he trusts, He's going to look at matchups and figure out where he wants that guy based on where he thinks the runs are going to come from.
0: I mean, that makes sense because he's been doing that with Ben Benintendi, and Ben Benintendi is somebody he's known for a long time, so that's somebody he trusted. Like, that's somebody he wanted brought right. in. So that, I think that would back that up. But okay now, so you have a guy in Berger that you can move all over your lineup. You, 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 you have different people, different pieces that he's starting to figure out where he can put them. My only question, I'm not saying you lead off Jake Berger, but what I'm saying is... Your hottest hitter, sometimes you're batting eighth and he's getting less at bats per game because he's not at the top of the order. You increase the ability of a guy to see pitchers more and have more of an impact on the game the higher they are up in the order. So you normally put your best hitters up towards the top of your order. So then I look at one of the guys that's struggling the most and he's just staying up at the top of the order because that's what he is. And I'm not saying that Tim Anderson isn't a leadoff hitter and I'm not saying I wouldn't want him there if he's healthy. But I wonder, is he healthy enough to be the leadoff hitter right now? Do you really want to give him the most at-bats per game, the way that he's playing since he came back from injury and really for the entire season?
1: See, and I I think if he's really hurt and if it really is impacting his swing, then, yeah, i put him down eight or nine. And not because he's a bad player, not because he's worthy of a demotion, not because the team's trying to trade him, not for, for any other reason just then. Andrew Benintendi maybe makes more sense at the top against most right-handed pitchers right now. So
0: do you think they'll do it? That's the question. Do you think they'll actually do it? Or do you think that that's something where they say, if we move him out of that li- that lineup space, because I I just have this impression watching the guy and watching how he plays and listening to him talk, that there might be a fear that, well, if we move him out of there, then that's going to get into his head and he's going to be upset.
1: Well, there's a right way to, to do this. You know, Do you just demote him one day and he finds out by looking at the lineup card? No, you don't do that. Do you go to the guy like a couple of adults and sit down and say, "Look, this is obviously bothering you. I need you to work on it. I, you know, we're going to get the offense going at the top of the the, the lineup. I'm going to put, you know, I'm going to put Andrew up there. I'm going to put Berger up there. Whatever you're going to do, I'm going to put you down further in the lineup until you get healthy. Or if you need to go back on the IL when you know when Elvis gets back, we'll do that. Whatever you need to do, but I'm not doing this because you're bad. I'm doing this because. I don't want. I want to take the pressure off of you, right? And I want it to be something where Anderson sits there and goes, "Yeah, I understand." That's the ideal circumstance, right? And that's where you hope goes on. But will will it be something that Pedro goes to him and sits there and says, "Hey, this is this seems to be the best move for the team," and Anderson sits there and go, "No, I'm a leadoff hitter. That that's what I am. I'm the leadoff hitter on this team. I'm not going to do anything other than that." That's a possibility too. And then you got to make a decision. Do you want the guy going into a mental funk, which we have seen in the past? And hope that the physical sorts itself out, and he finds a version of his swing that works, or do you just sit there and say, "I'm the manager. I'm putting you down there. Figure it out." And you know, and 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 the the kind of the 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 slow dismissal of Tim Anderson continues probably out in the world because they look at it and go, "Well, he's been demoted. Now he's sulking. Blah blah blah." I think that if they're not winning
0: more than they're losing right now, they probably had that conversation already, right? Like like if you're winning and the lineup is working for more wins than losses then you're almost kicking the can down the road and that's probably the worst thing to do because think about it this way and I, and I, and we'll leave with this thought imagine if they made decisions proactively on this team that they they probably could have lessened the amount of I don't know falling off a cliff that occurred in April if you would have just identified some of the problems quicker And the guys that needed to be moved out of roles quicker. And I don't know, maybe listen to a podcast that was saying it for two weeks before you even started addressing the problem.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like, like,
0: think about that. If they could have, if they could have addressed it quicker, instead of being 10 games under 500, you might be six under right now. And you might go on this run that we're looking at with this schedule and be at 500 or very close to it and really be feeling like we're in this thing. You have to identify the problems and be proactive. You can't sit around and wait until the team starts losing more games than they win and then go have the conversation with them, don't you think? Like, if you really need to win every single game you possibly can from here on out, then feelings don't matter, it's whatever's best on that given day, and you you move forward almost cutthroat-wise. Like, you, you have to just be, you have to be just ruthless in your decision-making because you're trying to get every possible win you can.
2: Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. In the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on
0: SocksInTheBasement.com.